Thank you for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help you win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, come and see us and join the Passion Church family. Visit our Facebook page or our website at passionchurchmo.com to find out more about us. Malachi, the fourth chapter, the sixth verse, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. This is speaking of the Messiah. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. Now, if you finish that verse, it goes on to say that if this doesn't happen, all that will be seen will be destruction. If a father's heart is not turned towards children and the children back to the father, you end up with destruction. This is how important the role of a father is. Galatians, the fourth chapter in the sixth verse says, And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. In other words, Adam lost sonship in the garden. And Jesus brought back true sonship through his sacrifice and in grafting us into his victory. You and I now are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. And now we can claim owner to sonship if we have relationship with the Father. And Jesus came to put back into our heart the cry, Abba, Daddy, God, my Father. Uh, and that, that cry is not just the understanding that I've been sired by you, but it is the understanding and the emotional connection that says, I am one with you. Look at this. God being a father has put a lot of expectation on the men who are fathers. Listen in, gentlemen. If you hear what I say today in condemnation, then you didn't hear me right. Because when you leave this place, I'm going to give you something to measure up to. Something that when you're done, you can go, I can measure myself and how I'm doing as a father, how I'm doing in this role that God has entrusted me in. We're all in various stages of fatherhood. Some of us, we've already got our children raised. And even if our children are raised and out and on their own, please pay attention. You'll learn something today about your role. Are you ready? God being a father put a lot of expectation on men who are fathers. And I want you to understand today that anyone over the age of about 13 can procreate. Any male over the age of about 13 can procreate. But not every male who procreates is man enough to be a father. Boom, I should drop the mic right there. Is this the right crowd today? Can you handle it? What you do is you, you punch somebody beside you and say, boy, I wish those other guys were here that need to hear this. I'm not going to make any apologies for that statement because it, anyone can procreate, but not everyone steps up to the plate to become a father. A father is a man. A man who procreates and won't become a father is a coward. Oh, I said it, I said it, I said it. Many men are not man enough to be a father. They shrink back from the responsibility of being a father. They cower away mentally and emotionally and physically and financially. To me, that makes them cowards in my book. 
every man is born with five basic instincts, and we're going to talk about them, and we're going to flash them on the board here in a little bit, but right now I'm just going to say them to you. These are the five characteristics and basic instincts that every man is born with. Are you ready? To hunt, to protect, to fix, to teach, to love. To hunt, protect, fix, teach, and love. The first three are absolutely instinctual. The last two are the most difficult for a man. Are you ready? All the men are looking at the floor. Look at me. This is a positive day. If a man can develop in these five areas, he can arrive at mature manhood. Now, if you want to blame anybody on this message, just know I got it strictly from the Holy Ghost. He then will have the capacity and the capability to enter into fatherhood. And that one man, now a father, can affect not just one generation, but many generations. Because he stepped up in these five areas and said, let it be. Mm, I'm having fun already. But I want you to understand something. Even a coward procreator can affect many generations. The problem is those generations end in sadness and heartache and depression and sometimes death. But when a father affects a generation, it builds self-esteem, it builds courage, it builds tenacity, it builds character. So I want you to understand Gentlemen, I came here to address real men today. If you're streaming, hand your phone, lady, to your husband quick. Those who are fathers to their families and take their cues from the heavenly father on how to be a father, those are fathers. I also came here today to say thank you to the spiritual fathers who take the time to teach, correct, point, encourage us to grow and encourage us to be a representation of the one true heavenly father. I've come to say thank you to fathers who father their families and those who father the church. So let's take a look at those five characteristics in a true father. Are you ready? Number one, put it on the screen if you would. Every boy who is born can be a father if he captures these God-given abilities. Rather, he ever sires a child or not. Fatherhood isn't just procreation. Fatherhood is a character. So let's take a look at number one. Every man instinctually likes to hunt. I'm not talking about just going out in the woods with ammunition and a gun or a bow. I'm talking about there's something inside innately deep within every man who, who is a hunter, a chaser, a gatherer, a catcher, a searcher. Every father has the instinct to provide. 
And he will search and search until he catches or gathers through opportunity the provisions his family needs. How many can say amen to that? How many of you men work hard to make sure your family is taken care of? 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter, the 10th verse in the Amplified says, If anyone is not willing to work, then he shouldn't even eat. If you ain't going to work, don't eat. Don't come home to your family and let them starve. Now, now understand there are circumstances if a man gets injured or crippled or struggling or those are different circumstances. And God understands that and makes provision for that. But able-bodied men, God expects us to become a hunter and to get out and to gather what needs to be gathered that we might take care of our family. Who could say amen? Mm. Along with that understanding of a hunter being a gatherer, someone who gathers and captures and pulls together and searches out, that also encompasses a man's desire. A desire to own. A desire to possess. A desire to have and to hold. There's something in a man who wants his own land. There's something in a man who wants his own home. You can rent, that's okay, but there's something down in every man that says, I'm not satisfied with this, I want my own. Every man, secretly in his heart from the time he's a boy, we, we always put it all on the girls that they're, they're, they're always thinking about marriage from the moment that they're born. But men think about it too, boys think about it too, because there's something in us that says, go get her and make her your own. We all have those thoughts. We all have those, those dreams. It's just we don't talk about it. We lay in the dirt going, while all that's working in our head. <laughs> I want you to understand that the drive for houses and lands and a wife and children all come from this one instinct that God has placed in a man called hunt. We're hunters. Everybody, was, everybody knew that Christian got the right prize today when the prizes were handed out. <laughs> well, we hunt in different ways, gentlemen. Some of us hunt with knowledge. Some of us hunt with sweat equity. Some in instruction and some in protection. But the innate desire to hunt and to gather pushes and compels men to go after that thing that we desire. We go after it. It is who we are. It is why men sometimes aren't satisfied in certain areas, ladies. Because they haven't gathered everything they think they need to gather. That's why your basement is filled with junk. That's why his garage is oftentimes disarrayed. Because he's got so much stuff he can't get in from all the stuff that he has gathered. And a good man, if he, if he knows, ladies, that you want something, he'll try to gather that too. The greatest joy in my life has been giving my wife the home that she desires. The place that she can call her own. Men, I want you to understand that fathers are driven to go after their desires. But when we hunt down and gather our desires, we cannot neglect our responsibility to those that we've gathered 
And I'll get into a little bit more about that a little later. To all my young men here, I want to say to you, go after what you dream of. When I was coming up, people had a tendency in that generation to squelch dreaming. Don't dream. I've always told my boys, dream, dream big. Dream big. Dream big. Go for it. Go after it. You were designed like God to create the environment of your world. Go after what it is that you want. Don't be afraid. Don't sit back. If you want a career, go after a career. If you want a spouse, then put on some high karate. That goes over the head of most of the people in this house. It was some horrible cologne they used to sell. (laughs) If you want a spouse, put on a little cologne. Go after her. If you want a family, then marry her. If you want a family, marry her. Houses, if you want them, go after them. If it's land you want, go after it. You do not have to settle for less than what God designed you to dream for. There are no limits in God. Go after what it is that your heart desires. But if you do go after what you desire, then you need to develop your instincts like a father to oversee what it is you have gathered. Don't just procreate and then go out and gather a bunch of things you want and ignore those individuals that you have brought close to you but rise to the occasion and become a father and begin to steward over the things you have gathered. Are you okay with this? Number two on the screen I want to talk about every man has this instinct. First we, we hunt and then we protect that that we've gathered. We watch over to be in the know of the affairs of our family. There is no license for a father to disengage with the responsibilities to the obligations of his gatherings. Did that go over your head? Do I need to say it again? There is no license for a father to disengage from your family. Ever. You don't have the right to disengage, walk away, or abandon what you've gathered. I'm going to lay it on the floor hard. I want to help these young men and these young fathers in here. You older gentlemen, you just cheer me on. We've already proved ourselves. We've already walked this walk. We've already standing in that place of victory. But some of these younger ones, they need a hand. And we're here to help them. And I'm here to help you. Don't you ever disengage from your wife. Don't you ever disengage from your children. If you want your family to go to the wayside, if you want your family to end up wayward, if you want your family to get lost out there somewhere in the world, disengage with them. It won't take long. Is this too much? Am I getting too hard? Good. Because we're just getting started. Don't ever disengage with the responsibilities to the obligations of your gatherings or the spouse that you have chosen. Your instinct is to fight. You're a hunter and a protector. And your instinct is to fight 
for what belongs to you. Don't be afraid. Don't back down. And don't become a coward when it comes to your domain. God gave it to you. He didn't give it to anybody else. Someone encroaches on your domain. You're to stand up and to fight. A father, are you ready? I don't know if you guys are mature enough for this. I'm throwing that out just so I can just get somebody aggravated. A father fights for his spouse. Not with her. Now, I'm not saying there's not disagreement. I'm not saying there's not moments that we have a little contention or a little conflab between us. It happens. Anytime you have two individuals, there's gonna ha- you're going to have that somewhere. But I was placed in her life and she in mine. I went after her. I gathered her. Now she's my responsibility and the Heavenly Father's watching me. And if I make her life, I'm going to say it, how many children we have in here? If I make her life a living hell, I am in trouble with the Father. My design is to make her life as comfortable and as carefree as I can possibly make it for her. I've been called to fight for her, not with her. A real father values her and puts a boundary around that thing that he values. And if she is the object of his affection, then he forsakes all other women and he begins to spend his life fighting for her honor. Had an old boy stand on my porch one time and begin to speak disrespectful to my wife. I had no problem with the fact that he was angry over a situation, but when he crossed the line and began to speak to my wife in a downward projection, guess who got in front of her? (laughs) And you know what I did? I told that old boy, get off my porch, get in my front yard, because you and I are going at this thing. He backed up like a hermit crab and decided he didn't want any more of that situation. And it's a good thing he did. I'm not talking about being a bully. I'm talking about fighting for honor. I don't dishonor her and no one else is going to dishonor her because I'm a father. I'm a father. I want you to know something. Your heavenly father fights for your honor. And every time Slewfoot shows up and tries to accuse you, guess who steps in between? Jesus steps in between and says, oh, no, you don't. I gathered her. Oh, no, you don't. He fights to honor her in front of all others. Gentlemen, I'm going to help you win. You want to win with your wife? She may or may not really like flowers. She don't really care all that much whether you bring flowers home. But if you bring flowers to her in front of her girlfriends, you the man. You the man. 
because you honored her in front of others. A father, he helps steer his family and his wife and his spouse into the right direction and he values her position and her opinion. He not only fights to keep her and his children from harm, but he fights to establish them in honor and in esteem and in confidence and in security and hope and vision for their life beyond the moment they're living in. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man or a father leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I do everything I can financially to put them in a good place. But this is speaking more than just finances. It is also speaking about the character that you build into the generations that are behind you because you showed them what a man of character looks like. Is this too hard? Should I come with something a little easier? Mm. (laughs) So let's move to the third instinct. One, hunt. Two, protect. Three, fix. Every man has an innate desire to fix things. I get tickled in counseling every time we counsel with a couple who are trying to figure out their relationship because he's always got 50 things that he thinks will fix it. And men will go crazy if they can't fix it. I want this fixed and I want this fixed now. We don't want to wait a week. Don't get six months. What? No, we want to fix it, and we want to fix it now. Mm. Unless, of course, it's that thing she's been asking us to fix at home for 30 years. (laughs) When I say fix, I really mean maintenance. It's inside of every man to maintain that instinctually that he possesses. All that we gather needs routine maintenance. We must keep things in working order. Now, my skill set isn't so much carpentry and mechanical. Now, I can do some things, but I can't do them to the degree some of the gentlemen in here do them. And for a long time, that the, my, my manhood felt a strike because I wasn't as mechanical or whatever as other men until I realized uh, I'm teaching character that other men don't have. And suddenly it, re- it dawned on me, there's, boom, there it is. There's, that's my calling. That's my reason. That's my purpose. I may, I may have to call one of you guys to come help me fix something at my house, but my wife is still cheering me on because I'm the champion in her life. So I've learned that if I can't mechanically get it done, I get on the phone and find someone who can. I can tear some things apart just enough to call somebody and say, can you help me put this back together? But the real heart of a father in maintenance is making wrong things right. Did you hear that? The real heart of a father in maintenance is making wrong things right. According to the English Standard Version in Proverbs 13, 24, it says, Whoever, this is my handwriting. Oh, okay. Whoever bears the rod. Now, in King James, it says, spoils the child, right? Here's how it says it 
in, in the English Standard Version. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. I'm talking about fatherhood. I'm talking about maintaining things and keeping things fixed. But let me just say this. Well-behaved children don't just happen. Well-behaved children just don't happen. They are trained to be well-behaved children. A spouse isn't just secure in your relationship because she married you. She is secure when you invest in her your heart, time, and devotion. No, she's not secure just because of you. When you go to work, even when you don't feel like it, you are saying to her, you are important to me. When you stop the busyness uh, and play with your kids, you're telling them how important they are to you. Father, your family, not your job, it's going to hurt you, not your church, not your club, or your social service, those things are not your priority. Your wife and your children, they are. And if you're going to maintain the things around your home that you place a value on, if you're not going to let your furnace be broken forever and everyone sit around in your house cold or, or have your air conditioning out and everyone sits around in your house hot, you find some way to fix that situation. If you're willing to go to whatever length it is and spend whatever it is to fix something going on in your household, then why in the world would you not take the time to invest in your wife and your children and grandchildren? Is this too much? We're almost done, believe it or not. We're to father our family. Number four is to teach. I've already kind of faded into this a little bit. Fathers teach and train. In biblical times, from the time a boy was five years old, Whatever his father's skill was in life, whatever his father did for a living, that child went to work with the father to learn that skill. Most likely that child would take over the family business and continue to do what it was that the father did, but sometimes they would choose other vocations. But even in all of that, they learned the father's business. The father use those opportunities to train them not only in what they did, but life lessons along the way. In America, we have made mothers the primary teacher of all the children, and men go to work, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But the, most of the reason for that really came from the Industrial Revolution in America. When men started working in factories and not in fields. When men would leave their home to go to work in large cities. The women were left to raise the children. And so we've been on a downhill climb, uh, in incline for quite some time in the area of fatherhood. 
Proverbs, the fourth chapter, the first through the ninth verse says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching, for when I was a son with my father, these are the words of Solomon, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and he said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live, get wisdom, get insight, and do not forget and do not turn away from the word of any, or, or the words of my mouth. 3 John, the first chapter, the fourth verse. There's no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in truth. Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, the sixth verse says, Train up a child in the way that he should live. But society as a whole now suffers for the lack of fatherhood. We have untrained children, and untrained children make angry, vengeful adults. Undisciplined children lead to generations of dysfunction. And you take that dysfunction and couple it with a lack of commitment and fatherhood is definitely taken a downhill slide. The instinct of fatherhood in America was lost, as I've already said, in the Industrial Revolution and honestly has never recovered. It's only stayed on a steady decline. And that's why in 2018 we have so many young people in the streets who are angry at the world and angry at the church and angry at business and angry at work and when you get waited on by somebody uh, from a younger generation in a store sometimes you get a really pleasant young person and those are usually the people who've been parented but oftentimes you'll get those who are so disengaged they don't even want to look at you or look at you in the eye why because they're angry and they've got a right to be they've been cheated for several generations. Even some of us with silver in our hair were part of the industrial revolution where those generations who were raised with detached fathers. And so we too have angst down in our heart, in our mind, and in our spirit. But happy children are taught by their fathers. And they're taught to respect and to be honest and to be submissive and to work hard and to achieve and to love and to be kind and to be reverent and to reverence God and to reverence the people of God and the house of God and to have a relationship with God. These skills are to be demonstrated, not instructed only. And finally... Yes, I'm making it to the end. The fifth instinct of a father is one fathers since the Industrial Revolution have had a very difficult time with. Because when fathers left the house and the home, the overwhelming busyness that took over the men who were gradually and slowly learning and, and losing the ability to father. We're becoming disengaged with the feelings of love at all, the spirit of love, because their lives were overworked, overblown, overdone. This is why men want to come home and sit in an in a, in a easy chair and not be bothered, because they've disengaged 
And television, I'm not here to bang on television. It's been around a long time, but my grandfather called it the one-eyed monster. And he was right because it moved into our homes and into our lives and it distracted us from family time and interaction with one another. I'm as guilty as any man in this room. I am not pointing fingers. What I'm saying is it's time that we capture again as Malachi, as we started off with, returning our hearts to our families, learning how to love them as God loves. The reason this is the toughest for men because not only is a man feel the weight of the responsibility of all these other things in his life and all the things that need to be done. But a man, from the time he's a little boy, is taught men, men aren't tender. They were taught that that's sissy. And masculinity was important. And so we didn't blur that line. And so if that was going to cause us to cross that line, then we don't do that. We don't say that. Boys are taught to be tough. Don't cry. If you show the slightest emotion, you're a sissy. You're weak. And we have crippled young men until young men now fatherless are pushing the envelope the other direction in order to be more feminine because that's the only example of love that they see and they don't understand that there's something called masculine love. They don't understand that there's love that is strong and virile so they run to the love, the only love they can get which feels feminine. We ought, to be, we ought to be tough, not tender. That's what we're taught. But ladies and gentlemen, the truth is in the middle of this. Yes, we've got to be tough. Yes, my hands ought to be calloused. Yes. Yes, I have to give due diligence to the things that need due diligence in my life. But the flip side of that is the moment I walk away and I punch the time clock and I crawl into my car. My mind switches from the work day to how am I going to spend time with my family tonight? What can I invest in my wife tonight? What can I invest in my children's life tonight? I should have a tender heart and calloused hands. I should be both tough and tender. Ready to ward off anything that would threaten my family and tender and loving behind those doors in my private domain. My children should be the most secure children in school. They don't wonder if dad loves them. They don't wonder what corrections will be handed down because I'm tough and tender if they act a fool. They need the proper balance and the proper balance comes in a man who knows who he is as a father. I'm almost done. Our wives and children need the tenderness that is resident in, the, in our heart by instinct from God. Men, we were created to love as the heavenly father loves. 
Yes, gen gentlemen, love is a four-letter word, but it is not vulgar. Because men have to be the hunter-warrior and have the hunter-warrior instinct, men have been sold the bill of goods that this is our sole responsibility, but I'm here to tell you it is wrong. Yes, we must arise to the occasion to fight, protect, and preserve at times. Those are skills mostly used outside of our relationships with our family and our friends. But John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Men, we were created in the image of the ultimate Father who loves and gives and does it to the extreme of personal sacrifice. And every child needs love. A mother's love is only half of the equation. Every child, boy or girl, needs to have and know the tenderness of their father. Every child needs to hear, I love you from their daddy. Yes. Yes. Listen to me. If you're raising other children, you did not sire even more so. They need to know you love them. I'm almost finished. Every family needs a father, not some childish poser who wants to strut around and act virile. I don't care how much weight you lift. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how many fights you've been in. I don't care how scarred your body is. I don't care how many hunting conquests you've had. If you cannot be tender with your children and your wife, you're a poser. Webster's Dictionary says a father is a male parent, an ancestor, an originator, a founder, an inventor, and a priest or spiritual leader. I think that sums it up well. Father, understand this. God placed you and placed in you a unique gift that the world cannot do without. Fatherhood is a gift from the Father. Fatherhood is a gift given to Adam that he lost. But it was restored through Christ Jesus. And we now have the ability to hunt, protect, fix, teach, and love our family. And it is the gift of God given to the earth to raise up secure children yes. and secure spouses. If you are raising your children, then capture the essence of my message today. If your family is already grown, then love them like crazy as often as you can. If you've been entrusted to the spiritual development of someone else in the faith, 
then be Christ in their service until they reach maturity. And if you desire to be a father, do not be a poser or a coward. Grab maturity and develop your skills. Step up to the plate and be more than a man. Anyone can be a man, but not everyone can be a father. And I know this is a heavy revelation for a Father's Day. But I intend when I stand before the Heavenly Father, and I don't know how much measure He's going to say I, I attained, but I pray it's as much as I can possibly gain in the years that I have left. You don't stop being a father once your children are grown. You don't stop being a father because your children have grown up and left. You're still a father. And you may not have long periods of time to share fatherhood secrets and skills with someone, but there'll always be someone in your life you can share it with. Maybe another young father. Or a young man that you can see in him. It ain't working. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he needs a, he needs a little measure. Something to measure up to, so follow me as I follow Christ. We need a father. There's been too many fatherless generations in America. This is why revival can't last. There are no fathers. We got to grab maturity and grab it quick. We got to grab it running. there's going to be a lot of people come to us who have no idea. They don't understand love. They don't understand a father. They don't understand. Many people only see a father as a disciplinarian. That's all they see. They don't understand that a father can do more than discipline. He can love. He can nurture. He can care. Every little girl grows up Wanting someone like their daddy. If he gave them anything to measure up to at all. If, he, if they saw any measure of fatherhood in him, then that's who they want to marry when they get married. My sister married someone just like my dad. <laughs> Fathers. The world is waiting on us. Malachi said it, but in 2018, at least in America, and it looks to me like around the world from what I can gather, the greatest robbery the devil has accomplished is to get us so busy, no one becomes a father anymore. There are women here who've married men who found out that they weren't fathers. And now they have children they have to try to give all their love to. Some of them need our help. From time to time to just spend a little time with those children in the view of that mother's supervision. That we can share with them 
Ladies, don't call us in to be the disciplinarian of their life. Call us in to learn to teach them to love them. Teach them they're loved. Teach them they're valuable. Teach them they're worthy. Build in them self-esteem. You build self-esteem, behavioral issues will go away. But the problem is there's no fathers. How many of the men in this room want to join with this father and father our community, father our church, father our children, father those in our life. Thank you for that commitment. We want to be a father. We want to speak. We want to teach. We want to train. We want to love. We want to help. Those of you who streamed with us today, thank you. And I pray this message touches your heart in some way. Go back and rewatch this over and over and over and get those thoughts in you. I'm handing you today the building blocks to build a life on and a family on. To all my single ladies and those of you who are single and have children, don't marry a poser. You delay getting married. Forget about the goosebumps. Delay getting married until you know that man is ready to become a father. Don't saddle yourself with another coward. Make them step up to the plate. If they won't step up to the plate, bye, Felicia. Come on. Come on. Father, I thank you today for this beautiful crowd. And mature Christians who can hear a message like this and cheer me on and not repel me. Father, that's what we need in 2018. People who are willing to embrace the gospel. Willing to embrace the truth. Willing to go forward. Willing to be the men and the women God's called us to be. Father, help me as a father as I have to train these young ones underneath me, Father, who are going to step up to the plate to be a father. I, I've, I've done a miserable job at times, God, and I ask you, Father, to help me to get serious now, to shake off all of the childishness, and let's get moving forward. Father, I pray for these gentlemen, Father, that are under the sound of my voice. Some of them have already got their kids raised and about ready to start on their grandchildren. But, Father, that we would be there to share the wisdom and the love and the nurturing that they need to help them, God. Give us the ability, Father, to measure up in all of these five areas. To keep these five areas before us, Father, at all times. As we leave this place today, Father, I know... We're a little bit over our time, but as we leave today, God, I pray, Father, that as the fathers leave this place and go and, and are celebrated in their position, that you'd allow this message to settle deep in their heart. And for every father here who's already raised his family and didn't feel the love of a father themselves, I pray, God, that you would do a deep healing within their heart, God, to reconcile that their father just didn't 
really understand or know what they were supposed to do. If anyone's harboring unforgiveness against their father today, Father, I ask you right now that we would give our fathers grace with the understanding, Father, that they may have never heard an instruction like this and they may have never understood really what their role is because life has never given us a handbook other than the Bible. And in the Bible, we have to search to prove ourselves. So, Father, we will not hold any unforgiveness to a father who's living or a father who has passed because they messed up in their journey. And I ask, Father, for a great fatherhood healing in this room and for those that are streaming, that they would feel a new love and a new respect for fathers and give fathers the grace to step into their role. And I pray, Father, that every father that has heard today that will remember John 3.16 that you so loved, that you sacrificially gave. If that becomes the instruction of our life, we will not have any problem fulfilling these five instinctual areas. From this moment forward, Father, I pray a blessing over every young man in this place. Father, who is one day looking to fatherhood. One day they're going to gather. They're going to pull together and have a family. And I pray, Father, right now that what's been said is timely in their life so that they will not stay children. But they'll grow up to the occasion and become an example to those they gather. May your blessing fall upon every father in this house. And may all these families that go to celebrate today be celebrated, Father. And have a, a new appreciation that they've never had before. And I give you the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We're so glad you listened to this message today. Our goal is to bring hope, encouragement, and help you win, all while building God's kingdom. At Passion Church, we believe in community. If you would like to partner with us in prayer or giving, then send us a message on Facebook or through our website at passionchurchmo.com. We'd love to hear how God is impacting your life through this ministry. 